Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. Good morning uh, again to everybody. Welcome. So glad that we can worship together on this holiday weekend. And good morning to everybody watching and engaging online. Thank you for worshiping with us. Uh, Today, uh, we will be taking communion together. And so I would invite those online to prepare to participate in that. And I would say uh, here at the Baptist Church of Westchester, We believe that that this table is God's table, and all uh, who follow Jesus are welcome to participate at the table. So I don't know your church background or anything like that, but know uh, for all who follow Jesus and seek to know Christ, this table is open to you. Uh, And I would say as well, we've begun a tradition here where our children uh, come up at the very end of the service when we do communion because we're going to sing Blessed Be the Tie That Binds together at the end and we'll invite our kids to come up from their class to sing with us so we can reflect this full family of faith. So when you hear them, you know, coming up the stairs, that's what you'll know what that rumbling is. I also wanted to begin just by uh, thanking you. Uh, Last Sunday I was away. I was able to be at the American Baptist Churches USA Biennial Mission Summit, the every other year gathering of our church denomination. Uh, And it was a beautiful time uh, to be able to be away and join in with siblings in the faith from all over. And I want to give thanks to Jim Layton for an excellent message. Amen, amen, amen. I will never look at the tab of a soda can the same way again. Thank you for sharing your gifts with us. Also just wanted to share that that last Sunday lots of things happened, including uh, our neighbors, El Buen Samaritano UMC that meets next door in Westchester United Methodist Church. They came over Sunday evening to host a baptism service. They didn't have a baptismal next door, so they came and had a service here, and that was a beautiful expression as well. Going to the biennial last week uh, was a phenomenal time. ABC USA is the denomination that uh, raised up my family, the denomination of my childhood and formation. I was baptized in an ABC church, ordained in that same church, um, and it was so beautiful to be at this gathering of our siblings. Our our denomination is the most diverse denomination in the United States, and that was evident in the variety of ways we worshiped together and heard from one another. And though I have been in ABC life, Uh, There were moments where, as I was there at the convention center, talking to people, learning from people, getting to know people, doing really interesting things all over the globe, there were these thoughts that would emerge. Who am I to be here? (laughs) Do they know who I am, where I come from? Am I worthy to have these conversations, be in these spaces? Have you ever had that feeling? Maybe this imposter syndrome, should I be here? (laughs) Am I qualified? 
Maybe you felt that at work or at home or in your faith experience. Maybe you have this fear within you that maybe you're not enough. Sometimes I carry that fear deep within my body and it can surface from time to time. Perhaps it does for you too. And perhaps these fears can be exacerbated by other people's comments or cut downs, even if they mean well. I served in vocational ministry in Texas for 10 years, and throughout that whole time, I regularly heard, you know, you're not so bad for a Yankee. Is it the 1800s? I would respond with something like, well, you're not that bad for a Cowboys fan, I guess. I'm not sure. But for others, sometimes that derision is much more painful. People who say things like, you don't belong here, you don't matter, you aren't welcome. You can't leave, you can't serve, you can't fill in the blank. Because of where you're from, who you're associated with, what you've done, even just who you are. Do you ever feel like you aren't enough? Will never be enough. Have, pe- have had people tell you you aren't enough. This has been the issue with the church in Galatia. These churches in modern-day Turkey that Paul is writing to in the book of Galatians, he started these churches in this bustling and image-conscious Roman region. And suddenly these churches have become anxious and paralyzed with fear Because a group of Christians with different teachings have come in and told them that according to the Old Testament law, they're not actually part of the family. In fact, they can't even eat with God's people unless they take on all the ritual and cultural markers of Judaism, including circumcision. And even if they take on those markers, they can't hang out with anybody who doesn't. This is what the letter to the Galatians is all about, what we've been studying together, where Paul is reminding this church that they're already part of the family of God, that the Spirit has descended and marked them as God's people, and that is simply because of the work of Christ. That the promises, Paul says, that were given to Abraham at the very beginning of the Old Testament, the promise that God would make a family a family that would produce a blessing for everyone. Paul sees that this has happened in Jesus. And that through Jesus and Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, all are welcome to the family. Paul says this has happened. You don't have to prove your worth. You don't have to earn your way. Christ welcomes you. Two weeks ago, we looked at a key verse of the whole letter, Galatians 3. I'll read 27 through 29. It says, As many of you are baptized in Christ, you have clothed yourself with Christ. There's no longer Jew or Greek, no longer slave or free, no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, part of the family. You are heirs according to the promise. We've also been repeating this quotation Every week, this is what God's kingdom is like. A bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered together at a table. Not because they are rich or worthy or good, but because they're hungry and because they said yes. And there's always room for more.
I like to read this quote every time in this series on Galatians because it can be easy to forget. To believe the lie that we're not enough, that we must prove it to others, and maybe by elevating ourselves we must put others down. We can think that we've made it, maybe because we're good or worthy or something, and then we try to preserve our status even if it harms other people. But the Christian is not concerned with self-preservation, but they know that they're preserved by the work and the love of Jesus Christ. Do not fear. I am with you, says our Lord. So today we keep digging into Galatians and we get to a point of the book that uh, is probably not preached on that often. It's a confusing little illustration that Paul makes. But I think when we understand what Paul is trying to do in this passage in Galatians 4, starting in verse 21, it helps us first to undo some poor readings of the text and then to understand what it means to be welcomed to the family. This is Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be subject to the law, will you not listen to the law? I love what Paul is doing here. The opposing Christians have come in and said, well, the law says this, you must behave this way. And so Paul begins to turn that on them. Okay, you love the law. Have you read it? Verse 22, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by an enslaved woman, the other by a free woman. One by the child of an enslaved woman was born according to the flesh. The other, the child of the free woman, was born through promise. Now, if Paul had asked me to help him put together the letter to the Galatians, I'm glad he didn't, but if he had, I might have said, Paul, this illustration is a little dense. Doesn't read so well in 2023. It's a bit messy for us. What are you getting after? Maybe there's a clearer way to say it. But Paul is choosing to go back into the Old Testament stories and dive into some of the things that would have been so familiar to the people. And he's trying to make a point by connecting the story, the Galatians' reality with a story in the Old Testament, and it's the story of Abraham, the story that we've seen again and again about this promise that God would raise up a beautiful, diverse family through this one family. And he says, Abraham had two sons. And if you remember the story, here's how it goes. Abraham and Sarah were told by God that they would have a child, an heir who would produce this great family. And Abraham and Sarah said, sounds good, but we're very old. <laughs> Are you sure? Could that really happen to us? And as they were waiting for the promise to happen, they got a bit nervous, questioned what God was up to, and thought maybe we could, you know, help God along. I don't know if you've ever tried to help God along. You know how that usually goes. They decided, well, what if Abraham had a child through Hagar, the Egyptian servant in our household, to produce an heir? And so that is what happens. Abraham and Hagar have a child. But this is not what God said would happen, not what God was promising would happen. They had tried to 
push God along, achieve their status before God through their own actions. Now, Sarah then becomes pregnant because God promised that it would happen, and Sarah also has a child. And this child would begin that family line of God's people. And that's what Paul is bringing us into this story. And it's a challenging story, a difficult story. There's beauty in it. At one point, there's this tension between Sarah and Hagar, and so Hagar is cast out. It's a painful story, and yet there, where Hagar and her child are in the desert, seemingly without hope, God shows up and blesses them, delivers them. And Hagar becomes the only character in the Old Testament to give a name to God. You are the God who sees me. There is much in this story, much to talk about in this story, much to preach from in this story. Even if we just look at the Sarah angle to say she believed that the best days were behind her, and many of us might believe that too, but we learn that that is not the case. God is still at work. This is the story Paul brings us into, and I want to keep reading in verse 24. Paul says, now this is an allegory. He does not usually do this. He wants to make it very clear. I'm not applying this everything exactly to now. I'm going to play with this story a little bit. This is an allegory. These women are two covenants, two promises. One woman, in fact, is Hagar, the servant from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. Talk about confusing. <laughs> if you look back at the story of Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, Mount Sinai does not appear. <laughs> Jerusalem does not appear. Yes, Paul, this is an allegory. <laughs> you are pulling threads and filling in places that, that can be confusing for us. What are you doing? I'd like to share something that's been helpful for me every time I engage with a New Testament letter. You have to understand that when we read a New Testament letter, we are reading somebody else's mail. Have you ever read mail that was for somebody else? I realize it's a crime to open up somebody's letters. I'm not saying you should do that, but every now and then we might come across a message we thought was for us, but it's for someone else, and it might not make sense right away. There are things we have to fill in. In fact, as we read these letters in the New Testament, often there's been correspondence before. We don't know exactly what was happening or what has been said to Paul. So we have to fill it in. I think that Paul is going to this story with Sarah and Hagar because I believe that the opposing Christians who have come to Galatia have used the name Hagar to try to disparage these believers. I think these opposing Christians must have said, who do you think you are? I mean, we're the children of Sarah, the children of Israel. You're just Hagar's kids. Who are you? You don't really belong. You're not really included. I imagine that's what's going on underneath. And so Paul takes that argument, 
flips it on its head and then makes these connections of Hagar with Mount Sinai, which is the place where the law came, and then makes this connection of Hagar with present-day Jerusalem, which is the city likely where these opposing Christians have come from. Paul is saying, they're saying, you're children of Hagar, enslavement. But those who would restrict you, they're the ones in chains. Let's keep reading verse 26. For the other woman corresponds to Jerusalem above. Sarah corresponds to Jerusalem above. She is free. And look at this. She is our mother. And then he quotes Isaiah, for it is written, Rejoice, you childless one, you who bear no children. Burst into song and shout, you who endure no birth pangs. For the children of the desolate woman are more numerous than the children of the one who is married. A promise from Isaiah about futures and hopes, God's coming family. So he's saying to these Galatians, no, actually, you're part of the family, remember? Because of Christ, you're free, and thus children of freedom. One of the interesting things that happens here in Galatians 4 is Paul seems uh, to mix some metaphors. My daughter Lindy the other day, she turned off the light. She's two. She turned off the light and said, dark. She turned the light on and said, happy. <laughs> okay, but those two things don't normally go like what we're thinking, right? Do you notice that Paul does the same thing? This corresponds, he says, to present Jerusalem. But you correspond to above Jerusalem? <laughs> Wait, it should be present or what? Present or what's the opposite? Past? Maybe future? It should be above and below. That one's a little easier. Above and below, but he says present and above? <laughs> Is Paul just being sloppy? That's not like Paul. <laughs> See, Paul understands that the kingdom of heaven is not something that's just coming someday in the future, but is a kingdom that is breaking in right now that the people of God, by the power of Christ, can live as kingdom people now. That Jerusalem... A new Jerusalem one day will descend. Heaven and earth will kiss. And this kingdom is already breaking in all around us through the Spirit of God. He tells the Galatians, you are kingdom people. You are people from above. It's language that comes from Jesus himself. A religious leader, Nicodemus, in John chapter 3 Someone who I imagine becomes a believer as we see in the Gospel of John. I imagine that Nicodemus likely now had influence in the church in Jerusalem where maybe some of these opposing Christians came from. Nicodemus came to Jesus in John chapter 3 at nighttime. It's one of the most beloved treasure troves of theology we have. It includes 
verses like uh, this, these two in John 3, 16 and 17. Perhaps you know them. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. Whoever believes in Him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. That's John chapter 3 in this dialogue with Nicodemus. But the first thing Jesus says to Nicodemus is John 3, 3. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Paul's using that same language here for the Galatians. You are part of the family, born from above. Where are your roots? Where are you from? The kingdom of God. Sometimes our translations will say born again. You could translate that word either way. Jesus is intentionally doing that. Because we are born again. We have new life now, but also a life that comes from above. See this mix of time and space. Paul is saying, you're part of the family. You've been rescued. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. He'll conclude this section with an action step. Verse 28 now you, my brothers and sisters, are children of the promise like Isaac. But just as that time the child who was born according to the flesh persecuted the child who was born according to the Spirit, so it is now also. Paul is saying that in this story, Hagar's child was persecuting Sarah's child. If you go back to Genesis, we don't see evidence of that in the text. Paul is again working on this allegory. He's stretching the story to fit the context. And so what that tells us is he's adding this detail, likely because that's what's happening in Galatia. These other Christians are coming in and maybe even using violence to push down these Galatian Christians. And then he takes us to verse 30. But what does the Scripture say? He's going to quote Scripture here. He's going to quote Sarah. Drive out the enslaved woman and her child, for the child of the enslaved woman shall not share the inheritance with the child of the free woman. So then, brothers and sisters, we're children not of an enslaved woman, but of a free woman. Verse, chapter 5, verse 1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. Now again, if I was with Paul at the time, I might suggest a different allegory. This is dense. It's harsh. But remember, it's an allegory stretched and adjusted to make the point. Paul takes these words and uses them to think about their current situation in Galatia. He takes these words, probably words about that the, the opposing Christians have said about these believers in Galatia, you're not really part of the family, you don't really count, and he's turned them. He said, if, if these people are telling you you don't matter, if these people are saying you're not worthy, if you can't do things, if you don't really count, if you should break fellowship with people and push people out, that's not the way of Jesus. So Paul says, tell them to hit the bricks. <laughs> it's really what he's saying here. Okay, just don't tell them to move on. 
Not a message we share in churches, right? But, but sometimes, if an abuser comes into a community where their victim may be and make them feel unsafe, we need to say, hit the bricks. Someone were to come in and do violence to try to dehumanize and devalue, to try to harm our family, we would pray and hope for restoration, try to help them, but we got to protect each other. So Paul is saying, don't let anybody tell you you don't have value because of where you came from. Fair enough. We need to hear that message today. And, and some of us who may have more cultural influence and security might need to learn from Paul a little bit. As Leah said, to learn how to stand up to the bullies a little bit. To stand up to those who God values. Defend them. and Love them. Welcome them. Care for them, that we would do that for each other and not let imposter syndrome sneak in among us, not let hierarchy sneak in among us. We are Baptist. We all stand before God equal. God's kingdom is bigger and more beautiful than we can imagine. Be people from above. Don't go back into the yoke of slavery thinking we have to earn our way, prove our worth, keep other people out. No, thank you. Our value comes from the one who set us free, and it's because you are free. We're called to do the work of freedom for others, to welcome, to stand up for. At the ABC Biennial this past weekend, I think my favorite quote, though there were many from many excellent speakers, was this, hope is not silent. Paul refuses to be silent for these Christians who he loves. Will we do the same? As I was thinking about this beautiful picture of the family of God born from above, united together, a family that transgresses boundaries, I was reminded of a video put together uh, by the European Theological Seminary. And it's a, it's a little worship song. And in it, you'll see students from that seminary singing that song with their own country's flags and their own native tongues. And I would encourage you, before we go into communion, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, holy, holy is He. Sobre o 
Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be His people. And God Himself will be with them 
and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.